you're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. If you'd like to learn more about the Bearded Theologians, you can go online at beardedtheologians.com, where we have past podcasts, blogs, and a couple items for sale. So check us out, beardedtheologians.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this week's show. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And today we have a very special guest and friend of the podcast and just wonderful overall human being, uh, one of my favorite people on this planet, uh, Bishop Karen Oliveto. Uh, Bishop Karen, thank you for being on with us. Great. Thanks, to, thanks for having me back. Always enjoy our conversations. Yeah. Why don't you uh, real quick remind our listeners, uh, you know, who you are, where you're from, what you do. Uh, in case they don't know who a bishop is or what you do. <laughs> Great. My name is Karen Olivito. I'm a United Methodist Bishop over the Mountain Sky Conference, which is 460,000 square miles over four states plus one, we say, uh, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, and one church in Salmon, Idaho. And as bishop, I shepherd the area. I make sure that clergy have the tools and skills they need and are matched with churches that um, that uh, have the, the needs for the skills of the pastors so that everyone can thrive in ministry and in their discipleship. Wonderful. That's, you know, not, not a big deal, right? No, no. <laughs> Just a little job. <laughs> well, being, being one of your pastors in the conference, I can say firsthand uh, you do a, do a beautiful job of, of that, of matching uh, pastors and churches and hearing uh, hearing everyone involved. And uh, I think it's a testament to how large our geography is to have, have those big ears and have uh, the ability to do that, uh, which is challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know how to lead from an office, right? I mean, as a pastor, I, I, I came right from local church pastoring into the Episcopacy. And as a pastor, we know we do our best work when we are where people are when we are seeing what their daily lives are like, their challenges. And I've taken that to, into what I do as a bishop. I've, I'm on the road all but about 60 days a year um, so that I can truly know our churches, know the laity and their, their yearnings, hear about our clergy and the challenges they face, as well as the, the passions that they have for ministry. So I, you know, I feel very blessed. Um, I love this area. I love the people I get to work with. I love the opportunities for ministry in our region. Bishop, one of the things that I, I noticed that you all do uh, really well is um, utilize technology. Um, and would you, would you mind talking about, a little bit about that? Because I've been trying to convince people in Oklahoma that we can utilize technology just as well um, as the people uh, in your annual conference. Uh, would, would you mind just sharing a little bit about that? Sure. You know, when you, when you cover 460,000 square miles, over a variety of geographic terrain, it becomes really important to utilize technology. However, that's not the only thing we can rely on. So, so we use it to bring together um, people from across the area for webinars, for discussions, for information. But we know that there are communities in our region that don't have an internet infrastructure who don't have access to emails, who don't have even, even smartphones. Smartphones in many parts of our area are just used for emergencies when, you, when, you, when your car goes off the road in a storm. 
So we recognize we need multiple avenues of technology. Um, but I do think that it is a, a, such an important tool, especially as we seek to, to meet the needs and yearnings of, of uh, generations that are, not, that, are, that are younger than boomers. So yeah, very important. Certainly, and that, that is definitely something uh, that we have had the value of, of here, um, at, at least for myself and the work that I get to do uh, with the conference office. And, um, but even this right here, having these conversations and building these relationships, uh, there is something valuable in the media there uh, when you look at our geographical area. Uh, but there's also also a huge value in, like you say, getting out and being in our churches and being in these spaces, um, places, and getting to know people that way too. Um, there's a there's a true connectedness there uh, when we put those two together. Right, and it's been especially challenging for this annual conference because up until a year and a half ago, we were two separate conferences. There had been a lot of mutual sharing. There had been a lot of permeable boundaries, and there had been a lot of discussion about coming together, but it's really been two different cultures trying to create a new culture, and so technology has helped us mm -hmm. build that new culture. Right. It has, and we, we kick off a, a Linton uh, devotional series, and so like you say, it goes far beyond meetings and webinars and, and into the spiritual life as well, which right, is really right. cool. So, so we do digital devotions all during Lent. Actually, we're going to take it further than um, Easter due to this thing called general conference coming up, a little meeting um, in May. But, but what it is, is every morning, Monday through Friday at 6.30 in the morning, someone in the conference leads a 20-minute devotion. You could be still in bed. I love seeing people's, you know, tucked up under their covers. I don't know if they realize they can actually turn off their cameras. But, uh, but uh, we see people at the gym. We see people in their cars. We see, and, and it, you know, the, it really is a way for us to be connected as we start our day in the morning. And it's been really a great grounding time for us all. Yeah. So, so go to the website, mountainsky.com, uh, and, and, and you can be a part of it. The, the login information will be there. So it starts on Ash Wednesday and we'll move for several weeks. And I think that's what impresses me the most is, of course, we see familiar faces in these within the conference, but um, I, I think what caught my attention was how many people from outside of our conference are coming to be a part of these things, uh, truly, truly feeling, uh, filling a spiritual and just devotional need in the life of the church broadly uh, yeah. for folks across, across the country and across the world, I suppose. And I'm seeing that in so much in our webinars, um, in you know, I, I try to take an annual pilgrimage trip for the, with the conference, and we had people go to the Holy Lands with us um, that were not from our conference. This year, of taking a group to do the Wesleyan Heritage Tour, we have people from outside the conference. Um, you know, I think I think that's the best of our of our connectionalism, mm -hmm. right? That that we can share the resources share the fellowship and and share the deep spiritual work we have to do together well and i think i think in light of what's going on in in the greater denomination showing that connectionalism showing that we can get together and and be the body of christ and be the church in in ways that aren't what's in the news currently uh is so such a valuable witness to this world yeah yeah i agree i agree 
Uh, we need we need more of that. <laughs> well, and, and and that's actually my concern. Uh, if we want to, I know you talked about possibly hitting with the protocol. That's my concern actually with general conference. Do I think that a that a, some kind of split is inevitable at this point? I hate to say it. I think it is. Does it break my heart? Yes. Um, I think in a time when the world is becoming increasingly polarized, at a time when we're building more walls than bridges between one another, for us as, a, as the body of Christ to say there's some people we can't live with, we can't be church with, um, and so we need to split, it diminishes our witness, I think. And, and imagine if we could figure a way to do that, how much healing we can bring to a broken world mm -hmm. if we can find a way to live together. Right. Well, and, and those are the conversations that I've had with non-Methodists in my, my communities. Uh, you know, any time that I, I step into a public place and people have a moment, hey, what's going on? <laughs> you know, and uh, have to have really, really hard, really fast conversations with folks because it's usually in passing of, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> but here's kind of what's going on and it's hard. Uh, it, it's sad to see um, people say, no, we can't do this anymore because of, because of whatever. Uh, and how do we, yeah, how do we begin to heal and, and move in, in grace uh, from that? Uh, yeah, how do we move in grace? I think, you know, part of the, part of the thing we hear, I, I've heard a lot of people say is, why is this getting so much press? Why is the protocol getting so much press? It's been covered on every major network. Well, so was General Conference 2019. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it made every front page, you know, or, or close to front page, uh, not only of major news outlets, but also of local. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, and I, th I think, you know, we in the church have forgotten that there is a social witness the world is hungry for. And, and so we've st we feel we've st we are no longer in the public square. But in fact, the public square, people in the public square are yearning for our voice, for our, the values we bring to that, for the moral compass that we have to offer. And, and I think that's why the United Methodist Church is in the news so much. And so what's the lesson for pastors, for, for laity, about, about what's, what we're being called to in this moment? How can we truly return to the public square? You know, John Wesley, we're United Methodists. John Wesley, you know, talked about personal piety and social holiness. You can't have one without the other. And so how do we, with our deep, you know, utilizing the means of grace to go deeply into connecting with God, that, that requires us to connect with others and to ensure the well-being of others. And, and I think this whole thing is showing us that especially in U.S. society, there is a hunger for us to, to offer that. That's what I found um, interesting. Um, a week ago, um, the local newspaper came into my office and uh, interviewed me about our podcast and uh, bar church that I'm doing. And so when the article aired, I was a little bit nervous because um, we really hadn't fleshed out bar church with the whole congregation, just with people who that that's where they're at. 
And so I was a little bit nervous about what the feedback would be. And someone had, one of my church members had texted me and said, well, at least this is a positive thing and not something negative (laughs) about what's, what's happening within our denomination. And I said, you know, it was really nice to do something a little bit different and not have to feel like I'm trying to unpack something for a secular world when they see what's going on. And it's hard to really, like, if you're an outsider, it's hard to understand the complexities of the situation. I mean, church folk, I mean, even, you know, good rooted Methodists have a hard time understanding the complexities of the situation, let alone, you know, the, the outside world. But then if we can share with how we're sharing uh, the good news to the world and how we're loving on people and caring for people, you know, I think that will, that can truly overcome the mess that, that we have um, going on right now in our denomination. Amen. Amen. Bishop, I'm, I'm going to ask you. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you maybe a hard question. Uh, where are you finding hope these days? Oh well, I'm going to share. I'm, I'm going to start really with a deeply personal hope. Um, you know, um, I had my call to ministry when I was 11 years old. I came out in seminary, but the restrictions against LGBT people weren't there. Um, so I was ordained a deacon in 1982. In 1984, the greater restrictions against LGBTQ clergy went into effect. And I really had to wrestle with, am I still called to the United Methodist Church? My call remained the same, but the church rules had changed on me. And, um, but I knew God still called me to this institution. So for, for 36 years, I have woken up every morning wondering, is this the day someone says something that causes me to lose my ministry and my vocation? Um, 36 years every single day. Well, um, December, the end of December was coming, and I didn't know. I mean, you learn. When, when you are um, marginalized by an institution, you learn how to, to walk through that institution. You have to know how to use its rules really well. Um, and, and suddenly the rules had changed so much with the traditionalist plan. I didn't know how to live in it anymore. And it set me into quite a serious depression because I still felt called to this ministry, but no longer knew how to do it, um, and, and have, uh, authenticity and integrity. And so really was thinking it's, I need to retire at the beginning of January. And um, having the Western jurisdiction bishops say, we will not process complaints. Um, but then getting a phone call from the Council of Bishops, all the bishops around the world were on a call talking about the protocol and, and the, the various agreements of the protocol, including a moratorium on complaints and trials. Um, I'm living for the first time in 36 years without feeling like there's a noose around my neck. Mm. And it has allowed me uh, tremendous hope, but also an ability to think um, more long-term about ministry than I've ever been able to do before. And so that's like the greatest hope I hold right now. I just have to share that. That is like, I can't tell you what a difference it's made in my life. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That, um, And what a place to find hope. Uh, and like you say, for, for going so long with not knowing, if you're going to wake up and have that phone call, have that conversation, have that, and, and especially in the last year, knowing that January 1 is coming, uh, to have that 
oh, geez, I don't even know what to call it. Hope, that hope to move forward and go, here we are. Here's a new day in, wow, thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. And we don't know what, what will happen in May. Of course, right? To, to have a taste of this hope, yeah. to have a taste of this freedom, um, this is what God intends for all people. And so what do I need to do to ensure that everyone, no matter, we're not just talking sexual orientation or gender identity, but we're talking race, we're talking class, we're talking geographic location. How can we make sure everyone can walk into the, the light of the freedom that Christ offers us? Absolutely. And, and that's something that I have, I've served in a handful of conferences across the denomination and, and being in this on the last two and a half years, that is something that the attention paid to where you are. Hey, where you are, do that ministry. Um, please go and be with your people. Um, and, and what's coming out of, you know, Denver or, you know, Billings or, you know, Cheyenne, it doesn't matter. It's what's going on in your area and what your people need. Uh, and how can you bring them that same hope uh, that they know uh, that they're welcome at the table, that they know that they're welcome in the space, and they know that they're welcome in the arms of God like everyone else is. Uh, that has given me such great hope because uh, I certainly I certainly came to this conference hopeless for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> but the, the same kind of idea uh, around my call of, I don't know that I can do this anywhere else. Um, I need to go where I can truly be who I am. Uh, in who God's calling me to be as a pastor and as a person. Well, and, and isn't that isn't that what you know? We get so hung up as clergy in our role that we forget to bring that that it what makes that role powerful is the self we bring into it, mm -hmm. and so we try to let the role mold us instead of saying no 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 God called me because of me. Mm -hmm. And and when I bring the fullness of me into it, it also gives permission to people to bring the fullness of themselves. And that's what, what God wants of us is to be our fully created self. Absolutely. And I, I find great hope in that uh, moving forward, no matter what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things I find inspiring about you, uh, Bishop, is that seeing you being with the people um, and not just being centrally located in one place um, that uh, provides a sense of comfort and hope. Um, even for someone who's not in your annual conference, um, seeing someone, seeing a Bishop actually engaging people, um, you know, that, you know, that, that's the Methodism I hope we become. Um, and, and, you know, whatever it may, whatever it may shake out in May, you know, I, I my prayer is that, um, we continue to do that and go where the people are and love and care for them and, and be with them. Um, and, and like seeing you do it and then inspiring your, 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 uh, conference to do that and seeing it in, in various different ways, um, has definitely been hopeful. Um, and at least, especially in times like this, when it seems like, I mean, um, it's a nice uh, gray day here in Oklahoma, uh, for, uh, the weather, uh, cause it's getting ready to do something. Um, it's not going to snow cause it never snows in Tahlequah. It, um, but, um, it, it's kind of how it feels right now, uh, in the sense of the church is like, we're in a great day and that yeah. we know that light's coming and that, um, we just have to hold on. Um, and that, you know, that that light will shine through kind of like what it's doing in Zach's picture right now with this. Yeah. And you know, 
it's funny, there's a joke that goes that I, I share with the, my Episcopacy committee. You didn't really need to have an Episcopal residence. You really need an Episcopal RV. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I, there's, a, there's a member who's taken me seriously. So uh, look forward to the Bishop Mobile. Uh, <laughs> but, but the other thing, you know, there is that, you know, we clergy need to know how to join a community. You know, I mean, and, and, and some of us don't know how to do that. I know I had to learn how to do that. I mean, I, I go back and, oh, I would love to do my first appointment over again. You know, those were such <laughs> beautiful people, and they deserve so much more than I knew how to do at that point. But they were so patient and loved me, um, and I'm so grateful for, for them. But, but we don't know how to join. You know, we don't know how, you know, where, where do we go where people, where people meet outside of church? You know, people have, have meaningful relationships outside of church. Um, how, we need to be there. We need to be there to listen, to learn, to love at there. Um, so how, how do we bring the good news to where people are? And it is good news. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I, I, I don't know how to be a dour Christian. And there's a lot of dour Christians. Um, this, this, this love that God pours into our lives and into the world is to be celebrated and, and to, to live into fully um, with joy. And that means truly enjoying one another. And I, and, and I do. I enjoy the clergy and laity of the Mountain Sky Conference. I, I enjoy spending time with them. I enjoy dreaming together. And trying to think, you know, trying to, where is God calling us at this moment to share life with others? No, I, and I think that's a, what a, what a important conversation, especially this time of year with appointment season coming up or, or in the midst of it. Um, in, in knowing, I mean, I, I answer the question all the time in all three of my communities. I bet, I bet once a week, uh, pastor, are you moving? You know, and they'll ask me in November. It's not time, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but the community, people outside of their church are aware that we move. They're aware that we do these things. And they're like, well, you've been, a, you've been here a couple of years, you know, it's time to go, right? No, 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 we're, we're here. You know, we're not looking to go anywhere. We're, our hope is, you know, uh, we, we want to be here with you. Um, and so for us as pastors to, yeah, relearn how to join our communities, but also help our communities relearn how to welcome us in, you know, and, and, and join us. Right. Well, um, welcome and let go. Right. Yeah. Oh, That's absolutely. The about the itinerancy, mm -hmm. right. It's also, how do we, how, how are we so self aware that we know when we've done all that God wants us to do here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I, I really, I think I really love the itinerancy system. I, I think, uh, and I know it's really countercultural to where we're living today, and there's so many complications with families and and kids. It was meant for a different different um, a different era, but but there is something about you know it's hard to to be self aware and say my my effectiveness here I've peaked I've peaked mm -hmm. in my and and either I need to change who I am and my leadership so that I can take this church the next stage of its life, or it's time for me to go. It's tough to have that, and yet it's so required of a good leader. Um, so that's part of what I hope the itinerancy system, I know for me, every, every this time of year, 
it was I knew I was up for a move. Mm-hmm. And so it, did, it, it, it helped me do some tremendous, uh, intense scrutiny of my ministry. What, what bad habits have I created here, not just for myself, but in my leadership for others? Mm. What do I need to self-correct those? Um, where is God calling this community? Where is God calling me in this moment? And am I the right person? And um, it, I, I really love it. I really um, think, and I know it's complicated in, in the era we're living in. Uh, it is, but uh, the, the attention that at least our cabinet seems to pay, uh, I answer more questions about my kids, where my kids are at in school and, and how my wife is doing in the community. Because uh, you all, I, I, I assume, <laughs> you all know the ministry going on, right? Uh, but it's, it's checking in on the kids, checking in on the family and those dynamics, uh, which I appreciate um, the attention there. Uh, because you're right, the system's set up for an era uh, different than our own. And so to put the attention there, uh, but also that self-reflective of, of where am I at? You know, how are my ministries? How is my leadership playing uh, in growing here? Or to have the real honest conversation, I've done everything that I can. Uh, God's called me here for this, and now it's time. Yeah. Uh, and, and those are hard, uh, especially when we love where we are, right? Uh, it's hard. Yeah. I, I always say, you know, it's, it's, you know, we have to divorce 150 people that we mm. really love and we don't mm. want to divorce. Yeah. It is painful. It is painful work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I've, I've been a frequent itinerary in the last few years. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, and that's, you know, I kind of came to a place this last year where it's like, all right, you know, um, you're in this for the long haul and you're going to you know, try to stay as long as you can. I mean, you know, they're, you know, they're understanding when, if the bishop, if the DS calls you, you know, you can talk to the DS, but if the bishop calls you, it's a whole other conversation. And so, you know, being aware of that, but then also like, you know, like you talked about being self-aware and, and you know, what are some bad habits that you picked up along the way? And, and about halfway through this last year, I realized, you know, there was some things that I wasn't doing that was very uh, meaningful for me in my ministry that I wasn't being myself. And so um, when uh, my now uh, teenage daughter, well, she'll be a teenager, um, but when she entered into middle school, um, I had to take her to school. And so one of the things I started doing was stopping at this coffee shop and spending about an hour, an hour and a half there um, before I'd have to be in the office. And so that has now led for me, like, I mean, I pretty much have my own seat there. Everybody knows that when I walk in, you know, like, I mean, I've, and it's developed this healthier routine for me to be in the community and, and it's allowed me to open myself up in ways that I hadn't before because I've been so guarded because I'd had, had frequent itinerants to the point where it's like, I don't want these people to know me because I don't want to have to let them go. <laughs> um, and, and, and now I'm at a place where like, um, you know, I want to get to know these people and, um, you know, whatever happens, happens. And um, I'm just want to be here and be present. And, and, um, and, and I have found that so much healthier than how I was living. And, and I think, I think we need yeah. to do that. But I, the, the hard part is, is that that's not in the paperwork that we have to submit to you all, that we have to be honest about that and really um, look at ourselves and ask ourselves, are we doing the ministry that we were called to do? Or are we just, you know, going through the motions, checking the boxes, making sure that the ESA reports are due on time and all those other things that we have to do? Or are we really attending to the ministry that we know that we were, you know, we were affirmed, um, especially by this point, I've been affirmed that this was my calling and like 
living into that a lot more versus not. And um, I think you nailed it on the head about being self-reflective on that. And we, I think providing more space for that, I think would be, uh, it would be very healthy. Well, and I want to talk to that, but there's something you said that was so powerful that it was those constant moves that, that, um, that made you fearful of joining because you knew you'd have to leave. Um, you said something like that. I, I didn't put yeah. words in your mouth, did, did I? No. But, but for us to be able to do that, even with the fear, knowing there will be pain, and modeling that to others, because life does have pain. And the church isn't going to prevent us from feeling pain, but it can offer us the community and the, and the spiritual resources to, to not only live with pain, but move through pain and get to the other side of it. And, and I think that's one thing we can model and, and say, honestly, it hurts to leave you. But even Jesus had to leave. And so how do we, how do we help people? And not only that, you, you, you know, we tell you, know, you're going to lose, you're going to lose people you love to death, to, to separation, to moves. Um, and we can get to the other side of it and we're going to be richer for it. Um, but, but you also talked about, you know, having the space for reflection. One of the things I'm amazed at is um, at least in this conference when I came was there was not, um, a focus or a permission giving, much of a permission giving in making sure people were taking renewal leave. I have found renewal leave in the course of my ministry to be one of the most important tools of, of, of my vocational health and growth because it gave me, you know, we ta- I, I talked earlier about, you know, I know, you know, as a leader, I create unhealthy, unhealthy habits. And by, by taking myself out of, of a place, it helps the laity grow in places I wasn't allowing them to grow. It helps me untangle myself uh, and look critically at what I've been doing. But to ask the, the question, who, who does God want this community to be? And do I, is God wanting me to do that? If I don't have the gifts for it, am I willing to learn the gifts and come back differently? And that's just it. We get to utilize different parts of our leadership. We still come with our authentic self, but we're drawing from different parts of our leadership toolkit to help a congregation grow more fully into that to which God wants it to be. That that call to, to Sabbath and renewal and uh, your modeling of it has been life-giving to me and, and my family uh, to know that, hey, I have permission to leave <laughs> and, and to go and, and, and be with them and fully be with them. I and, love seeing uh, you skiing recently. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I loved it. Oh. I love seeing you do it. Yeah, and it's been so much fun. And, and being able to go and do that, you know, on a Monday uh, and not feel guilty about not being in the office on that day has been so life-giving for us. Uh, and, and truly, I mean, I was going to go to work that day. And uh, my kids said, hey, can, can we go skiing? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll go skiing. That's what we need to be doing. In <laughs> uh, in three years ago, I'd have said no. I'd have gone into the office and sat and looked at my computer screen for eight hours and then gone home. Right. You know, uh, and, and so, yeah, for, for our, for our leadership as a whole to be modeling that in such a, a way, uh, it's not only healthier for us, but it's healthy for our churches. Um, in, in my churches have seen that and gone, 
oh, you need this space. Go and be there. That's where you need to be. Uh, Please go be with your kids. Go be a dad today. Uh, We'll call you if we need you, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And it's, it's such a beautiful thing that that we need uh, and we need more of because our culture is very, it's not that. (laughs) It is very go work yourself to death. And uh, maybe when you turn 65 or 67 or 70, you can retire and then enjoy life. Uh, And, you know, uh, that was a, that was an argument we had with my, uh, mother-in-law before she passed. Uh, she was forced to retire, uh, because of, because of her illnesses and, and cancers and things and didn't want to. Uh, and we talked to her over and over again for the last 10 years of travel now, you know, go and do these things now. And it was always the, well, I'll do that when I retire. And she didn't get a chance to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that was a stark realization for us to go, we got to do better. <laughs> we got to do better. Well, and, and just hearing you talk about what that day was like, the mm-hmm. energy that, that rose in you, yeah. <laughs> you get to bring that into your ministry. Absolutely. Imagine if it wasn't there. Right. Right. Well, and that, that's one of the fun things I've enjoyed, um, for the last, well, almost month and a half now I've been coaching, uh, I coach little league basketball for my daughter and, uh, I have to, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself that I'm a pastor and there are things I probably shouldn't say to the referee that I've, that, that bubble up inside of me. Um, and so I have to remind myself that, but, um, I, I get into it and it, it is a whole use of, of a different self that, um, that I can put out there that, um, has been really nice. And, you know, um, I had several, um, community members last year. Um, I coached last year and when it came up this time, you're going to coach, right? We love the way you worked with the kids. We love the way that you, you know, you did things for the kids and stuff like that. And I wasn't going to mostly because I wanted to spend time. I wanted to have that time to not have to worry about that sort of thing. Cause it is a whole different kind of stress, but, um, I was like, I, I just don't know. And then my daughter kind of, you know, she, she did a good job of guilting me and saying, you know, I only want to play if you're coaching. And so I was like, well, I guess I will. And, you know, we've had, we've had fun. Um, and it's been, um, it's, it's been life giving, but man, um, I'm really looking forward to Saturday when the season's over. And I can, <laughs> I can, we can, I can go on to being, um, I literally will go from being the soccer or the basketball coach to being a soccer dad in that afternoon. Cause we'll have a soccer game that afternoon. Wow. And I love getting to be with that community because they're people that we've, we've done life together in a way that I don't necessarily have in the church. Right. Um, but it's also a witness for me because uh, we've had a couple games on Sunday and I've said that the girls don't play soccer until they, you know, they have to go to church before they play soccer. That's, that's the rule. Um, and so that's provided some fun conversations, but then like I took a Sunday off to go be with them, but we still went to church. Like we, we were in another community and we went to church in that community, but then we came back and played soccer and people were like, why are you doing this? Like, cause that's part of who we are. That's our faith. Like we, mm-hmm. like it's, it's part of what we do as followers of Jesus. And okay. I've had some really good conversations with people, um, you know, sitting on the sidelines and, and just being present. Um, and it, and it's just fun to be active in those kind of ways. Um, and it's not something like, you know, nobody from my personnel committee said, you know, you will coach basketball or you will. Um, and, and I think that when pastors find those healthy outlets to be involved in the community, whatever it is, um, it really does bring them life and, and they can do so much more for the congregation than they ever really realize. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and to, to bring, I mean, to bring the conversation full circle from where we started, it, it's a ministry of presence. 
so much of what we, all of what we do in this call of, of going out and sharing the good news is being present with people. Um, and the more and more that we can do that and the less that we sit in our offices or our homes or, you know, wherever, <laughs> wherever we find ourselves expecting people to come to us, uh, the better off we are. I mean, you know, Jesus didn't stay put. Uh, none of the Jesus people in the moving. Bible stayed put. Yeah. They just kept moving. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, in, in, so why, for whatever reason in the last 50 years, it seems like it's been a ministry of staying put in, uh, <coughs> no, you're, you're fine. Uh, we've had the great example of, of leaders uh, like you, Bishop, of saying, no, 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 this is a ministry of presence. Go and be present, uh, yeah. which is, <laughs> there's a lot of freedom in that uh, and, a, and a lot of life and grace to give in our communities to bring us back to that. Uh, how do we be connected? How do we be present in, in the lives of the folks in our community? Uh, and, you know, expecting them to walk through our doors just isn't it. No, and by being present, fully present to another's life, we seeing their life and 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 the hurts and the injustices they disturb us enough, mm-hmm. to then inform our ministry about about what truly is the liberating word of the gospel. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Oh, Bishop, I love talking to you. Uh- <laughs> I could do this every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've all, I've, both of you, I've always enjoyed our conversations. It's been, yeah, I, yeah. I love the back and forth and the gifts and, and love, love this ministry that you both do. Well, thank you. We, we appreciate your time and your willingness to be with us. Uh, just a couple of scruffy old guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, Bishop, we, we, we thank you for your time and, um, you know, looking forward to hopefully when uh, we get to Minneapolis, you and I can uh, connect uh, <laughs> again. Uh, in a, That'd be great. Um, and I would love to see you. Um, and, you know, just thank you for the ministry that you provide uh, um, for everyone. And it's not just your area, but for everyone. You are definitely a witness um, in this world. And um, we thank you for your time. And so for the Bearded Theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share on all social media outlets. You can check out old episodes and more information at beardedtheologians.com. Thanks for checking us out.